You're listening to a sermon from Redemption Church, Calgary South. We exist to glorify God through the fulfillment of the Great Commission by seeing the lost redeemed, the redeemed matured, and the matured multiplied for the glory of Jesus Christ. For more information, visit redemptioncalgarysouth.com. Today we're looking at Mark uh, chapter 7, uh, verses 14 to 23. So you can start turning there. Mark chapter 7, verses 14 to 23. Uh, so if you're opening up that Bible or you're firing up that digital app or even, even better, you know, that paper Bible in front of you, you can feel it with your hands, you, you know where everything is, you know the beginning and the end. Um, remember where we are in, in the gospel of Mark here this morning. Let's remember where we are on this trek uh, through the gospel in the footsteps of Jesus as we're walking step by step, chapter by chapter, verse by verse through the gospel of Mark. Uh, last week we witnessed, it was a rather intense encounter between Jesus and the Pharisees and the scribes. Is because they were falsely accusing Jesus' disciples of breaking purity laws. They weren't washing their hands according to the tradition of the elders, and they were eating their food. Thus, according to this tradition, they were defiled. And so they were accused of breaking not biblical laws, but man-made traditions. And this got Jesus fired up. The Pharisees and the scribes were falsely charging his disciples as lawbreakers. And so he rightly turned in anger towards them and charged them as hypocrites. He charged them as being great pretenders of the faith. People who were were leading others away from the truth and making the word of God void by their tradition, by their hypocrisy. And so last week, we applied that to our own lives because we, like the Pharisees, like the scribes, we have a propensity for hypocrisy. It's in our bones. It's in our spiritual DNA. We're prone to imposing our legalistic traditions and our convictions on others. We're prone to being religious pretenders, putting on masks and playing the part. We're prone to abandoning the clear truth of Scripture for traditions. And so last week, we exhorted one another from God's Word to keep our convictions in check, to keep our hearts engaged to keep our foundations biblical. Now in our text today, it's just a further extension of that argument of hypocrisy between Jesus and the Pharisees and the scribes. But instead of focusing on them now, now he turns his focus on those who are following, those who are prone to following the hypocrisy of the Pharisees and the scribes. He focuses on the crowds. Starting in verse 14, Mark chapter 7, verses 14 and on. And he called the people to him again and said to them, Hear me, all of you, and understand. There is nothing outside a person that by going into him can defile him. But the things that come out of a person are what defile him. And when he had entered the house and and left the people, his disciples asked him about the parable, and he said to them, Then are you also without understanding? Do you not see that whatever goes into a person from outside cannot defile him? Since it enters not his heart, but his stomach, and is expelled. Thus he declared all foods clean. 
And he said, what comes out of a person is what defiles him. For from within, out of the heart of man, come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, foolishness. All these evil things come from within, and they defile a person. Let's pray. Lord, we do thank you for gathering us together. We thank you that we get the privilege and the joy to gather together as your people, those who have been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Lord, we thank you that we don't come here in our own righteousness, and we come here covered by your righteousness. Thank you for the cross. Thank you for the empty tomb. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your spirit. And Lord, as we look at this uh, text today that you have written, um, you've inspired men to write. Lord, we pray that you would use it to further uh, convict our, our hearts and our souls of remaining sin. And to know, Lord, that there is a process of cleansing. And it doesn't come from the outside. It comes from you working in our hearts by your spirit and by your word. And so, Lord, we thank you today for this, uh, this scripture. We thank you for your word. We thank you how it is a light onto our path and it guides us. Lord, we thank you that your glory, your spirit, you are among us, that you never leave us, that you never forsake us. Lord, use this word today to teach us, to mold us further into your image, we pray in the name of King Jesus. Amen. Well, according to Jesus, how do you get spiritually clean? How do you find true freedom and forgiveness from the stain of sin? How do you clean yourself up? Friends, we need to hear Jesus. Hear Jesus, all of us, as the text says. It's only by the cleansing grace of a sanctifying Savior that you'll ever be free from the defiling sin within. And so the first thing we need to understand as we're looking at this text today is that we need to stop scrubbing the surface. Verses 14 to 15. Stop scrubbing the surface. He called the people to him again and said to him, Hear me. All of you, that's all of us as well, and understand, he wants us to know that there is nothing outside a person that by going into him can defile him. But the things that come out of a person are what defile him. So let's remember the context here. Jesus is building off this hypocritical uh, cleansing ritual being imposed by the Pharisees and the scribes, and he is furious about their hypocrisy. They have this oral tradition that's being passed down from generation to generation. They've been adding layers and layers and rules and external practices being practiced as law. And remember last week, it said that it was being practiced by all the Jews. And ultimately, what they were doing was holding their traditions, their man-made convictions, and lifting them up to the same level of Scripture, making void the Word of God. And then we see Jesus' disciples. They're not practicing these rituals. And they're now being charged with being defiled, with being unclean, with being impure. 
And remember, this practice of cleansing wasn't so much about hygiene, but it was about ritual. The reason that they needed to wash their hands was not to the, due to the dangers of germs and parasites. They were concerned about coming in contact with Gentiles and defiling themselves. They were teaching the people that they could remain clean, that they could remain pure and undefiled by taking care of the surface, by washing the outside. And as they would scrub and wash, and as they would do and do, Jesus indicts them as hypocrites. And then he turns to the crowd. And he, as the ultimate rabbi, the ultimate teacher, teaches them eternal truth through an earthly example. He gives a parable. And he calls them to hear so that they will what? They'll understand. And that's for us as well today. Remember, faith comes from hearing and hearing by the word of God. And Jesus said, there's nothing outside a person that by going into him can defile him, which means to make him unclean, impure. In fact, he says, it's the things that come out of a person are what defile him. So what he's saying is, is these meals that are being eaten without ceremonial cleansing wasn't the real problem. It doesn't matter how much you scrub. It doesn't matter how much you wash. It doesn't matter how much you ritually cleanse. The real problem is not without the real problem is not external. It's not the surface. The real problem is what comes out of a person. And so we see eternal spiritual significance here. That sin pollutes, not from the outside in, sin pollutes from the inside out. Spiritually speaking, the battle for purity of the soul is not one on the surface. It's not won by guarding. It's not won by fencing. It's not won by scrubbing. The problem finds its source elsewhere. And we're going to talk more about that in the next se section. But the first principle that we can apply here, and Jesus calls us all to listen up to this, to hear and to understand something that we need to know is that we can't deal with our own sin and our own corruption on the outside. That's called surface-level scrubbing. Our problem is much deeper than that. And so step one for us is to stop scrubbing the surface. Stop trying to deal with your deeper problems by polishing, by waxing, by painting, by putting up fences, by putting up hedges. Your problem is never going to be solved at the surface when it comes to your, your house, when it comes to your place that you live every day, do you ever do any surface cleaning? You know what I mean? Your mother-in-law phones, or your mother, and she says, we're in the neighborhood, we're coming over for a visit, and your week has been so crazy busy, your house is an absolute wreck, panic strikes, and so what do you do? You surface clean. You grab the dirty clothes, you throw them in the, in the closet, right? You grab the dirty dishes, you put them in that little useless drawer under the stove. You, you throw um, anything you see into the, the cupboards, you, you just wipe the countertops off with your sleeves, you, you pick the fuzz off the floor, you're surface cleaning. You're just dealing with the mess on the surface. 
You're not deep cleaning, right? You're not vacuuming the couch when mom's on her way over. You're not pulling the stove out to clean up that egg that you dropped down the side there last week. You're surface cleaning. And surface cleaning is not real cleaning. It just looks good from a distance. The deeper dirt still remains. That's what's going on here when we try to deal with our sin from the outside only. And that's what the Jews were doing when they were trusting their external cleansing rituals. We see this also later when Jesus arrives in Jerusalem and he runs into the Pharisees and the scribes again in Matthew chapter 23, 27 to 28. And he hammers them again about their hypocrisy. He says, woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are like whitewashed tombs, a painted coffin, which outwardly appear beautiful, but within are full of dead people's bones and all uncleanness. You see, the uncleanness is still there. And so you also outwardly appear righteous to others, but within you are full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. And so the problem is clear, that if we do the same thing, the outside may look really good. And you may even feel like you're doing something with that surface cleaning, but inside you are still defiled, you are still dead, and you are still dirty. The deeper work is left undone. And so let me ask you, are you doing this in your spiritual life? Are you just scrubbing the surface? Are you just trying to fix your deeper problems through external means? Let me ask you this. Is there an area in your life that you're wanting victory over? Maybe a sin problem that you're wanting to deal with us. Something you're wanting freedom from. Maybe there's a weakness in your faith that you're wanting to be stronger in. And some days you feel like you're winning the war, but then the next week it feels like you've taken even more steps back and you find yourself in that place of sin again and again. Well, let me ask you, how are you dealing with the battle? Are you merely just trying harder? Are you gritting your teeth? Are you just willing things to change? Maybe you're trying to just fill your time with busyness so that you would be distracted and not be tempted anymore. Maybe you think that you can put all kinds of fences and hedges and controls around yourself to protect yourself from the temptation to sin, and you're hoping that just someday you're not going to desire it anymore. Are you doing everything you can, but the problem keeps coming back? Well, according to this parable of Jesus, surface cleaning gets you nowhere. Behavior modification may have a temporary effect, right? It may look good for a moment, but it never deals with the real issue. When you, when you think about raising your children, right? Disciplining your kids. We often forget to get to the heart of the matter, we just want to discipline on the outside and never get to the heart of the gospel with them. We do that with ourselves as well. Behavior modification. 
There's nothing outside of us, Jesus says, that by going into us can defile us. You can't do enough of that cleansing. It's useless. And so our first step this morning is to stop. Stop. Stop scrubbing. Start searching. Jesus says it's what's come out of you. It's what comes out of you that defiles you. And so you need to stop scrubbing and you need to start searching for what that problem is. And he gives his disciples and us more insight into that in verse 17. He says, And when he had entered the house and left the people, his disciples asked him about the parable. And he said to them, Then are you also without understanding? Do you not see that whatever goes into a person from outside cannot defile him? And this is the key here. It says, verse 19, since it enters not his heart, but his stomach, and is expelled. Thus he declared all foods clean. We need to stop scrubbing. We need to start searching. And we need to search for the sinister source. So according to Jesus... The cleansing work that needs to be done, again, will not be accomplished on the surface because the source of that outward defilement is within us. It's our hearts. In Jewish theology, the heart being referred to here, it's not the physical organ that pumps blood throughout your body. The heart is the spiritual heart the very center of your spiritual being. It's where your will, it's where your emotions reside. It's, it's, it's the center of your mentality. It's where your affections, it's where your desires, it's where all of your ambitions take place. It's the source. And Jesus explains here that the inner heart problem is the problem. He says, then are you, he's talking to his disciples, then are you also without understanding? Do you not know this? You've been around me a long time. Are you not without, under, without understanding? Do you not see that whatever goes into a person from outside cannot defile him? Since it enters not his heart, but his stomach and is expelled. Jesus is explaining that it really doesn't matter how dirty your hands are. You may have come in contact with the most sinful Gentile in all the country, if a person's hands weren't ritually cleansed and you were to ingest the germs and the bacteria of the filthy world, these pollutants go not into the heart. He says they go into the stomach. They don't even get to the heart. The stomach is the physical. The heart is the spiritual. And try and try as hard as you can to clean and wash and clean and clean and clean. You're doing no good. He adds that the problem is, in verse 20, he says, What comes out of a person is what defiles him. For from within, out of the heart of man, come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, foolishness. All of these evil things come from within, and they defile a person. It's quite a list. The spiritual heart 
is where the cleansing needs to take place. It's the sinister source of the filth. What's coming out of the heart is evil because the heart is evil. This is a concept that's not new to the Jews. It shouldn't be new because it's been recorded in Scripture in the Old Testament all over the place. Genesis 6, 5, the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. Ecclesiastes 9, chapter 3 and halfway through, the hearts of the children of man are full of evil and madness is in their hearts while they live. And then the classic Jeremiah 17, verse 9 to 10, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? So brothers and sisters, according to Scripture, according to the Word of God, the very core of us is not good. Our anthropology, according to Jesus, says that we're not essentially good. We do wicked things, and it's all because we have wicked fallen hearts. And this is so opposite of what the world wants to tell you, right? I challenge you this week to take a poll of the people at your work and your friends at school. Go out and ask 10 people if they think that they are good people. And they're going to say yes. 100% of them are going to say, yes, I'm a good person. I got a good heart. The world wants, us, wants to tell us this. They want to tell us that we have some kind of an inner light, that deep down we're, we're good, that we've got good hearts, and that we should follow our what? The world says follow your what? Follow your hearts. But the Bible says our hearts are not good. Our hearts can't be trusted. And the reason our hearts are so sinful is because it's our own doing. Romans 1.21, for although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. And in our darkened fallenness, that foolish, sick, evil heart cannot be contained. It just naturally seeps out and defiles our whole being. One of the most essential doctrines for us to understand as Christians is that everyone who has ever existed on this planet throughout all of history, except for Jesus, is totally depraved. Meaning every aspect of our nature, our soul, our mind, our body are fallen and polluted because of our sin. Jesus says here, what comes out of a person is what defiles him. For from within, out of the heart of man, come evil thoughts. That's fallen thinking. That's not thinking like God. And then it comes out of us. And what comes out of man are only symptoms of a deeper problem. And Jesus is going to highlight some of our problems. He lists 12 12 symptoms of the evil heart here. He starts first with six sinful actions followed by six sinful attitudes. Out of the heart comes first, sexual immorality. 
the Greek word porneia, which basically encompasses any sexual sin from sex before marriage to prostitution, to unchastity, to lust, and clearly from the Greek word here we get the word pornography. An extremely massive problem in our world today with the internet at everyone's fingertips. And as much as the world and the devil are using lust, using pornography, using sexual immorality to enslave and destroy from the outside, the root of the problem of porneia is deep from within us. It's found in our heart. It's streaming out of us and defiling us from our very hearts. Next we see theft. Clope. We get the word kleptomaniac here, stealing, thieving, taking something from someone unlawfully, whether that be a material object, an intellectual object. In our world today, digital contact, digital content is being stolen. People using false uh, VPNs, backdoor streaming services where you don't have to pay to watch the content that somebody has created. And the root of why we steal is because at the core, we want what's not ours. And we're going to override our conscience to get it. And that comes out of our hearts. Next, out of the heart comes murder. Just recently, just over that overpass to Cranston, that young lady and her beautiful little daughter murdered, killed because out of the heart someone murdered them. And we hear about these things every day, right? Almost to the point that we're going numb and not caring. How about when it comes to the 30 to 40 million babies who are murdered every day? year across our planet in the womb. It's horrible. How could someone do that? And then we look in the mirror ourselves and we remember that the Bible says in 1 John 3.15, everyone who hates his brother is a murderer. We're murderers at heart. You know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. It comes from the heart. Adultery, sexual sin that breaks this beautiful covenant of marriage, marriage that is meant to point us to the gospel, to point us to Jesus Christ as, as the bridegroom over with the bride. But adultery teaches us lies. It teaches us a false gospel. It teaches us that Jesus leaves his bride. That's a false gospel. Adultery comes from the heart. Coveting. Desiring more and more and more, never being satisfied with what you have. It comes from the heart. Wickedness. Basically a summary statement of all of it. Everything else that violates God's law. And then we see six sinful heart attitudes. Deceit. 
which is lying, twisting the truth, craftiness, just like the devil. It comes from the heart. Sensuality, again, sexually immoral thoughts, comes from the heart. Envy, you know, jealousy and, and, and hatred. Slander comes from the root word uh, blaspheme. It's abusive and hurtful speech. This happens in our hearts and in our heads as well. And, and this is alive and well today on Twitter, right? Slander is everywhere. And then we've got pride, the love of self, thinking that we're a pretty big deal, wanting our own way, thinking that we're superior, promoting oneself. That comes from the heart. Foolishness. Proverbs 1.7, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. Jesus reiterates in verse 23, all of these evil things and more come from within. They defile a person. So brothers and sisters, humanity has a heart problem. No matter any kind of external protection or cleansing can cure the evil heart. But we try so hard. We try so hard to fix ourselves from the outside, don't we? Men, with the struggles that we face universally, our common issue of lust, if, if you're struggling, are you trying to stop by mere determination? Or just fences or protections. Don't get me wrong. The Bible calls us to cut off our hand or to gouge out our eyes if they are causing us to sin. And that's good. But any measure that we take on the outside can't cure the heart. True victory only comes when we move past the externals and we deal with the root, when we deal with that sinister source, that putting off of the old man, that putting on of the new, that the glory of Christ would be so overwhelming to us, so captivating that our desires would then be progressively changed as we behold his glory. We have to deal with our hearts, men. Ladies, how about the comparison game that you're playing? It's a heart issue. From Instagram to Facebook to every piece of advertising around, your heart is lying to you. That battle can't be overcome by striving harder. It's not about competing. And it also cannot be overcome by simply believing in yourself. Your battle for worth, your battle for confidence is won on the battlefield of your heart. It's won on the battlefield as your heart, as Christ victoriously captivates your will and captivates your desires. And we could go on and on and on. Brothers and sisters, the Jewish people honestly believed 
that they could just keep those laws of purity by adding layers and layers and layers of external rituals. They were believing the lies of the day, the, the lies that were being told to them by the Pharisees and the scribes. But there was a deeper issue, like we, we're seeing here. You know, when uh, my wife's little brother uh, was a little boy, he was, uh, he was a really rambunctious kid, um, getting into things all the time. He'd be outside playing, and whenever he came in, he would be dirty. And so Kim's mom would have to clean him up, right? You come from outside playing in muck, you would be dirty, you would smell, and so you go to the bathtub, you get cleaned up. But there was this one season in the middle of summer when she would clean him up, but he would still smell. He would still be stinky. No matter how much she scrubbed him and put him in the tub, and the smell began getting worse and worse and worse. And so she took him to the doctor, and the doctor got looking around, and had a look up his nose. Turns out that he, uh, he put pussy willows, the little buds of pussy willows, up his nose. And it began to rot. And it began to stink from the nasal passage out. And that stink didn't go away until the doctor took tweezers and removed that from the inside. That stink, that smell, that rottenness couldn't be fixed by washing the outside. He had an internal issue. And so with that, we need to stop scrubbing the surface. And as we just learned from Jesus, we need to search that sinister source within us. And so where does that leave us? Is it enough to just try to fix ourselves from the outside? Is it enough just to know that our hearts are sick, that they're wicked? Jesus seems to just kind of leave us hanging here. He says, all these evil things come from within and they defile a person. And that's where it ends. He's leaving us hanging, which is actually a good thing. What do we do with this? Well, as we witness Jesus confronting the Pharisees and the scribes, and as he turns to the truth and to teach it to the people, he's ultimately teaching them to stop following the hypocrisy. Stop following the ways of religion, Jewish religion and rules, because it's going to ultimately kill you. He wants them to leave that and to follow him onto life. That's what the gospel of Mark is all about. It's all about following Jesus. And so he leaves the text hanging, but the question needs to be answered, why? We need to follow him. Leave the hypocrisy, follow Jesus. That's what this whole book is about. Our only hope is to have our sinister's, sinister hearts changed. And that comes through seeking, through following our sanctifying Savior. If you're an unbeliever here this morning, or if you're not sure that you're a believer, out of love, not of truth, I tell you, if you're not a Christian here, your heart is hard. Your heart is evil. It's deceitful above all things, and it's spilling over into your actions and your attitudes. 
We just seen that list, evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, mur murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, foolishness, and more. And you find yourself committing these things. If that is you this morning, what you need more than anything in all of your life, in all of your eternity, is to have heart surgery. You need a heart transplant. The prophet Ezekiel, hundreds of years before Jesus was even talking here, he prophesied these very things. That we need to be cleaned up from the inside out. Not the outside in. That our uncleanness and our idolatry is because of our sinful hearts and that our only hope is to have our stony heart replaced. Listen to the words of God. We read it this morning. We're going to read it again right now. Ezekiel 36, 25 to 27. I will sprinkle clean water on you. That's from God. God will sprinkle clean water on you. This is the cleansing. And you shall be clean from all your uncleanness and from all your idols. I will cleanse you. It's the work of God. I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. The context is Israel is profaning his name to all of the nations, running his name into the ground. But for his name's sake, he chooses to save, and he's got a coming plan to save his people by giving them new hearts, by giving them his spirit. A living heart, a heart of flesh in this, in this text is a heart that is made new, a heart that can actually receive God's spirit. Verse 27, I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. You see, the Pharisees were putting fences around God's word so that people could not break his rules. This is the solution to obeying God's rules. It's a new heart and a new spirit. Our sinister hearts need to be made new by a sanctifying Savior. And so with the crowds, hear the words of Jesus. Understand this is the greatest truth that you will ever know, that you can be free from your filthy heart. You can be free from death, and you can be at peace with God if you turn away from your sinful ways and you trust the only one who can change your heart. And this happened through the gospel, through his life, through his death, through his burial, and through his resurrection. Today is the day to repent of our sin and to receive that new heart and to receive God's spirit. We need to trust him alone for salvation. And when you are saved... When you are made new, when you are born again, you are now spiritually alive. You now have a heart of flesh, a new spiritual heart, and God's spirit is within you. 
The very presence of God himself comes to reside in man that should floor us. And then we can follow. Then we can obey. So we need to seek the sanctifying Savior. We need to be sanctified. We need to be cleansed of our sin and continually cleansed from our sin. So if you are a believer this morning, the gospel still applies to you. As Christians, we desire to grow in holiness, right? As Christians, we still struggle with sin. We still have this fallout of sin. Although we have new hearts, although we have God's spirit, we still have the old man that wants to rise up within us and try to take us back to our own ways. In many ways, we have a heart of flesh, but it's not a sinless heart. We're still prone to follow our sinful hearts. We have an internal issue still. It can't be washed from the outside. So we need to stop scrubbing the surface. We need to search that sinister source. We need to seek the sanctifying Savior because in Christ, we are new creations. In Christ, we have a new heart. In Christ, we have his Holy Spirit. In the strength of Christ, we can overcome our sin because he is the victor. He is the one who battled death. He is the one who battled sin, and he is the one who said it is finished. It is won. And as Christians, as we are saved, we continually walk Yes, sin is in our life, but we need to be growing in holiness. And that only comes at the battlefield of the heart. Killing the old man. Putting on Jesus Christ, as we learned in Colossians. We need to continue to have our mind renewed by God's word. And the way that it works is when your mind is renewed and your thoughts are changed, your heart then begins to change as well and your desires change. And then out of that come actions. If we're just trying to control our actions by stopping our hands, stopping our feet, stopping our eyes, we are not getting to the root of the problem. You will not have lasting change just by stopping what you're doing on the outside. If you have a new heart, continue walking with Jesus in your sanctification. Apply the word deeply. Trust his spirit to do his work and do it all for the glory of God. Stop scrubbing the outside. Search for the sinister source and seek the sanctifying Savior. Let's pray. Lord, we do praise you. We thank you, Lord, that uh, you had the plan that your plan was before the beginning of time, that you had a plan of redemption even before you created the universe and created us, before we even sinned. You had the plan. It was set in stone in Jesus Christ. We thank you that your plan is perfect. We thank you that your plan was to give us 
new hearts. Lord, we're, we're trying so hard. We're trying so hard in our own flesh to overcome sin and temptation. But we thank you that the only solution is, is in the inside. That is you sent your son, and as he lived the perfect life, and as he died the death that we deserved, and that he miraculously rose from the grave in your power, that we also, in that same power, can now live and be made alive in Jesus Christ and have new hearts and have your spirit within us. This is the only way. So Lord, help us in the coming weeks as we want to grow in holiness. We want to become like you. Help us to look within and help us to walk according to your word by the power of your spirit, we pray in Jesus' name, amen.